Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. But not today. Today, we're going to talk about Xbox Series X and PS5. Super Mario 35th Anniversary Hype. Call of Duty Warzone and Half-Life Alex. Hi. Um, unfortunately, we had to cancel the, the talk that we had uh, planned for GDC. Um, but we do have some super exciting news about PS5. Uh, and who better to bring that to you than the one and only Mark Cerny. Without further ado, over to you, Mark. Thank you, Jim. There will be lots of chances later on this year to look at the PlayStation 5 games. Today, I want to talk a bit about our goals for the PlayStation 5 hardware and how they influenced the development of the console. I think you all know I'm a big believer in console generations. Once every five or six or seven years, a console arrives with substantially new capabilities. So recently, Mark Cerny, lead architect at PlayStation, presented, was it supposed to be the GDC talk before GDC was cancelled? Yeah, so there was meant to be a presentation at GDC about the technical capabilities of the PS5. And instead, they just recorded it and released it to everyone, which I think confuse some people because it obviously wasn't what they're expecting from a ps5 reveal because it was basically a lot of technical detail actually it wasn't that technical it was like you know understandable by people who have a general interest in tech but you know it didn't go really low level but still there were no reveals of games there was no footage of games it was literally just explanations about the technical specs of the system and Similarly, there have been a bunch of blog posts and videos. I don't think Microsoft has done really long videos in the same way that Sony did, but certainly Microsoft has invited, you know, YouTube channels and so on to come and see the Xbox Series X. And they have done gameplay reveals, for example, like they showed a Gears of War game that had been ported to run on Xbox Series X and showing that it was way better on Xbox Series X than it is on the current, you know, Xbox One or Xbox One X. Well, although actually I heard that they just took the existing game and turned all the presets to match the PC Ultra settings. So, is it that impressive? But still, it's better than you get on a current-gen console. Anyway... All aboard the hype train. Choo-choo! Next console generation! Are you excited? Should we, should we put out our disclosure to, to, to start off? Go on. So we both have PS4s. Yeah. But I have an Xbox 360. You know, like I was Team Xbox until I moved to Hong Kong. Because Xbox had region locks at the time. If Xbox did not have the region lock, I probably would still be Team Xbox. But they made it impossible for me to do that. So, whatever. I switched Allegiance. I'm all in on Sony now. Except for the Nintendo and the gaming PC. <laughs> <laughs> so, to open, 
the next console generation? Mark Cerny says he's a big believer in console generations. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting statement. And I think it is interesting the things they're trying to do with the PlayStation 5 to make it different, despite the fact that it's kind of running on extremely similar hardware to the Xbox Series X and indeed just a regular gaming PC, to be honest. Because I remember, didn't we have some time capsule episode where we made a bunch of predictions and then I predicted the end of console generations and then immediately they announced the PS5 and the next Xbox. But I feel like I'm kind of half right with the Xbox Series X because the Xbox Series X is not like a really distinct console generation, unlike what Sony's doing. Since I think that Microsoft have said the first few titles to come out for the Series X will just also run on Xbox One. You know, like there's no really hard hardware changes that mean it's only on the new Xbox it will play. So you'll get better frame rate, you'll get a better looking game if you play on Xbox Series X, but you can still play it on an Xbox One. For the first few games, at least. Although, exactly what does that mean? I mean, maybe they'll just release two versions of the game, or will there just be one disc? Or one download? It's got to be two downloads. It's got to be two downloads. I don't know. Do you think it's a good idea? I think it's really interesting that they're, they're both going these slightly different ways. And I think it's really good that they're both going these slightly different ways. And it will be really interesting to see what happens as a result. Because with the PS5, you could potentially do a whole load of stuff that was quite unique. But then the question is, will anyone actually do that? You know, because games are expensive. And unless you're being paid to make a console exclusive, the chances are you want to release as widely as possible. You want to release on Xbox One slash Series X. You want to release on PS5, but also maybe PS4 if you can. You want to release on PC and even the Switch if you can scale it down that far. So are people going to aim for the common factors rather than take advantage of the unique characteristics of each system? And the PS5 has more unique characteristics than the xbox so it will be really interesting to see how it pans out but yeah yeah microsoft have tried to blur the lines and sony has tried to put a sharp divide in will microsoft are you know have they artificially hampered how good the xbox series x launch games look because they have to run their games on xbox xbox one right have they artificially tied themselves back i mean it remains to be seen but i i think short of the platform exclusives it's totally fine because you've you've literally already got games that can run on a suite of variable hardware you know pc games are like that and the architecture of these consoles is basically well i sort of a pc except for all the unique special stuff which we should talk about in a bit 
But then, yeah, okay, fine. Loading corridors, loading elevators, loading, loading forests, loading, you know, loading hallways. If you don't have to, yeah, but, but that's them. what I mean. Like, they're there on PC as well. If you've got a PC with an SSD, you don't need them. No. But they're there for all the people who don't have an SSD and for all the consoles that the game is released on as well. You know, it's already been like this. Yeah, but the PS5 will have this, you know, they can produce a game without these corridors day one and automatically, you know, and immediately those games are better than PC games. By that one measure. By that one measure. Yeah, but that's the thing I'm saying will be really interesting because will they do that or they want to make one game that they can release on both platforms so they'll put in the loading corridor or if they're smart they'll just do what they do on pc which is if you can load it instantaneously you do and if you can't it just pauses and has a loading bar it's not the end of the world anyway the other thing i wanted to say xbox series x what the hell kind of name is that they've somehow come up with a name that's even worse than xbox one you can't say that name quickly. You have to make sure you've put the pauses in where the gaps are. <laughs> I Sony's naming scheme, extremely boring, but straightforward. You know exactly what you're getting when they say, we're doing a PS5. It's like, okay, it's a better PlayStation. Nintendo has always had insane console naming, and it really came to bite them with the Wii U. Xbox console naming... Every single console name is as bad as the Wii U. But luckily, their fans are more hardcore and know the difference. It's a terrible name. I'm shocked. Mm, because it can refer to the whole platform. You know, the whole ge- all generations belonging to Xbox. I mean, I, I don't know what they should have called it instead. But... Two. Xbox I guess two. <laughs> well, this is a problem because it's really the Xbox four. <laughs> Four is like, okay the, as well. There's this, it's distinctive. Anyway, I, I just wanted to get that out there. I, I haven't liked any of the Xbox console names since the 360. And, and the 360 only seemed fine because you'd gone from Xbox to Xbox 360. You know, but in hindsight, it was a terrible name as well. Shall we start with how they compare? How they're similar? Okay. So... Just to quickly run through the ways in which they're the same. And they're the same in a lot of ways. They're both doing backwards compatibility. So they can both run the previous gen's games. I think on the Xbox Series X, it sounds like it will be pretty much perfect. On the PS5, they said they're expecting nearly all of the popular titles to work day one so it sounds like it's not quite 100 percent because of the line of the sand kind of architecture changes they're doing on the ps5 because they're trying to make this generational divide they're basically the same chips so they are amd zen 2 cpu cores and rdna 2 gpu compute units and they both have tons of buzzwords you know like the velocity architecture or the tempest audio engine so i don't know they're really trying to build the hype 
and everyone's buying into it like suckers. We're doing a freaking section on it. So what's different? The Xbox Series X is, on paper, more powerful than the PS5. Everyone is quoting these kind of meaningless teraflop numbers, and who knows if they actually will translate into real-world performance slash issues, but we've got about 12 for the Xbox Series X, 12 teraflops, and about 10 teraflops for the PS5. Oh, by the way, please, if you really care about the numbers, look them up, because I'm just going to say ballpark figures, slash maybe get them wrong. (laughs) Sorry? This isn't a professional podcast. We're post-facts. We're not. Mike is. <laughs> We're living in a post-facts <laughs> Anyway, and then on the flip side of that, the IO on the PS5 is twice as fast. More than twice as fast, in fact, than the Xbox Series X. So, Xbox Series X, about 2.4 gigabytes per second that it can read from the SSD, like in terms of raw performance. And that can be improved by compression, blah, blah, blah. And it has some special dedicated hardware to facilitate that. So does the PS5. And the PS5's raw number is 5.5 gigs per second. And and for both of them, taking into account compression and the other magic tricks they can do, the effective number is more than double their baseline raw number. But still the PS5 is more than twice the performance of the Xbox Series X in this regard. And that should, in theory, allow all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, like loading your game in a handful of seconds, or there's no need for loading corridors. In fact, in the time it takes your character to turn around, you should be able to load all the geometry and textures behind them. Do PCs support compressed like this, have this decompression hardware? Yes and no. I mean, they don't have hardware to do it. So you can obviously... It used to be fashionable. Do you remember Double Space? Or Drive Space? That DOS-era thing for compressing your disk. <laughs> and then some SSDs used to have hardware for doing it. I'm not sure if any of them do it now. But... I don't know. I, I think it will be interesting to see if any of the stuff that is in this console generation actually becomes standard in PCs at a later date. I, I know for databases, they do compress their files on disk because they'll get higher I.O. and performance by doing so. So like databases do this trick. But they're using CPU cycles for this, right? There's no dedicated hardware. Yeah, correct. In a PC. In fact, I think both Microsoft and Sony in their technical presses basically said if they used the CPU to do this, it would be the equivalent of the entire PS4 or Xbox One's whatever's CPU power required just to decompress the data coming through from their, you know, magical hardware DMA acceleration stuff. So yeah, it's a serious amount of work being done by this custom silicon oh the actual form factor of the storage is also quite different so xbox series x has got these cute little storage modules it it, kind of looks like a memory card except it's got like a terabyte on it 
Whereas for the PS5, they've said you will be able to use just regular consumer hardware to upgrade the storage on your PS5. But it needs to be really high performance. So there is a standard that meets the performance requirements of the PS5, but it's PCIe 4 NVMe M2 drives. So, you know, those aren't cheap. And yeah, they're going to certify certain drives as meeting the requirements of the PS5 because, yeah, there's other funny hardware stuff they're doing, like these six levels of priority, etc., which regular consumer-grade SSDs don't support. And so you actually need higher bandwidth for them to then emulate those levels of priority in software. Well, I say in software, in the probably hardware controller that's doing the storage transfer. The other thing I thought was really interesting and really different between the two is how they do Turbo Boost or don't do Turbo Boost, it turns out. So the current gen consoles, although they're running on basically AMD chips, those AMD chips don't Turbo Boost. They just run at their clock frequency all the time. Whereas normal PC chips basically will boost their clock frequency until they hit their like thermal limit and they start to overheat and then they'll clock down again so that they don't overheat. And that obviously leads to variable performance depending on how good your cooler is and also, I guess, the ambient temperature in the room. For a console, I think people have the expectation that it should just, well that it should just consistently perform. And having to deal with the variability in performance that, say, a PC has is a headache or leads to inconsistent frame rates or means it's hard to tune. You know, And this is why, I guess, the PC versions of games, they, you kind of need more oomph to hit that 60 frames per second. So anyway, Microsoft is saying no boost everything will just run at a fixed frequency. And there are different modes. So you can have hyperthreading on, and I think it's 3.6 gigahertz on the CPU, or you can have hyperthreading off, and then it's 3.8 gigahertz. But those are the clocks, and it just runs at that. Sony is doing this weird power-based turbo boost. So they're saying, we don't want it to be that the game runs better in a colder room and runs worse in a hot room. So we're targeting it to boost all the time and we're designing the cooler such that it can boost basically all the time. But if we need to throttle, we're going to throttle based on the power, not on the frequency. And it's quite unusual. I think it's quite a different way of looking at it. It took me a while to really get my head around it. It's interesting. The boosted values on the PS5 don't reach those of the Xbox Series X. Yes and no. So, yeah, the maximum clock that the CPU will run on the PS5 is 3.5 gigahertz. So that's lower. But the GPU clock is, I think, 2.3 gigahertz, which is actually really fast for this. Yeah generation of you know gpu 
And I think the Xbox Series X ones, you know, their their equivalent cores are running at like 1.9, I think. So that's quite a lot slower, but they have more cores. And that's where they get their higher teraflops number from. So, I mean, Mark Cerny says, oh, it's easier to tune for fewer compute units. Obviously, he would say that because like, this is his design, right? So he, he's going to say, the reason we're doing this is because fewer compute units is easier to tune for. And higher frequency is better because when you run at a higher frequency, everything runs at a higher frequency. Like, you know, the rasterization units, etc. they're running at a higher frequency too. So higher frequency, fewer compute units is better, he says. Will this be true? We'll see. And will this unusual power-based throttling work or will your ps5 just catch fire once the ports clog or shut down or just run really terribly because it throttles back i don't know wait wait so i i've may have misunderstood something so i thought either you give more wait 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 so can i boost the g this um the gpu i can right okay is it my understanding of the situation, which might be wrong, and you should probably go and watch some other technical expert YouTubers or something, but my understanding is they're designing it to boost all the time. So they're expecting it to nearly always be running at its maximum clock of 2.3 gigahertz for the GPU. And they're using this AMD smart shifting as well, so that if you don't need so much CPU power, the CPU will basically reduce its power consumption so they can give that extra power envelope budget to the GPU instead. And the reason they're clocked at the speeds they're clocked is because at the power consumption levels they're targeting, they output roughly the same thermals. So it makes it easier to do that trade-off. The thermal throttling thing, that confused me for a while. So... You know, laws of physics wise, where does the heat in a chip come from? You're having to switch the transistors in, in the chip on and off. And that means you're moving, you know, the voltage level between a high and a low. And that energy has to go somewhere and it's dissipated as heat. And to hit higher clock frequencies you also generally have to put more power in because you need to push the transistor through a larger range in order to reliably distinguish like the ones and zeros this is like you know without getting into too much detail this is getting back into my electrical engineering degree stuff which i've also largely forgotten so so you should stop <laughs> no <you're kidding. laughs> so we just stop but anyway anyway yeah so Mark Cerny is saying, if you instead decide to, well, at least this is my understanding of what Mark Cerny was saying. So if you instead of saying, okay, reduce the frequency, but keep the power the same, you instead reduce the power. Well, I assume he's saying that by reducing the power, you're also reducing the frequency, but you're, you're targeting it based on the power instead of targeting it based on the frequency. And moving it through a smaller voltage range also means obviously you're dissipating less heat. So you can reduce the power, which also will reduce the frequency a bit, but it will have a disproportionate improvement on the thermals versus keeping it at a fixed high power 
and just reducing the frequency. You know, think about a PC chip. Like if you if you ever overclocked your PC, if you overclock your PC, you have to increase the voltage to the CPU. But that voltage isn't variable. You're just saying put this voltage into the CPU, and if the CPU does clock back because it's idle, it's still doing it at that high voltage. Whereas he's saying we're going to reduce the voltage. And the side effect of reducing that voltage is because we know that it's only stable at this frequency at that voltage. We're going to reduce the frequency as well. But we're doing the targeting based on the voltage, is my understanding. Sorry, this okay. is a horrible technical <sighs> rabbit hole. I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's I, I don't move want to on. Pick hole. Yeah, we yeah, can just move on. Okay, last two things then. Last two things that I care to talk about anyway. So they're both doing... 3d audio they're both saying they have special hardware for doing 3d audio sony went into much more detail about theirs and talked about hrtfs i think it's like a head related transfer function so literally they're getting people to sit in this like array of speakers and putting microphones in their ears and measuring how the sound sounds inside their ears in order to come up with a transfer function for what sounds from different 3d positions sound like inside a human ear and then making that transform so they can simulate 3d sounds really really well maybe xbox is doing something similar but sony went into much more detail and i wonder if this is because they've been playing a lot of battle royale games and suddenly everyone really cares about 3d audio because you know when you're just playing a shooter or whatever you can't tell exactly where the enemy's coming from, but it doesn't matter, you know. It's all like, they're in front of you, they're behind you, whatever, it doesn't matter. In a battle royale game, knowing where your human opponent is in 3D space is really important. Like, it makes a huge difference. And at the moment, I think the spatial positioning in terms of, like, left or right of you is actually generally quite good in these games. But the spatial positioning in terms of up and down like above you and below you is really bad like it sounds about the same if someone is to your right on the same floor as you and someone's to your right like on the floor above or the floor below too and you just have to like infer where they are vertically based on context so if these consoles can really nail the 3d positional audio in true 3d space like you know vertically as well as horizontally it would be really great for battle royale games <laughs> So new headsets? I, I, they, well, Sony said they're targeting headphones first because it's the easiest thing to get this right on. But they're hoping to also support you know, stereo speakers on TVs and try and make that sweet spot where you get the proper 3D audio effect to try and make that as big as possible. How can you get 3D audio with stereo speakers and headphones? Were you not listening? Were you not listening about the whole HRTF thing? You know, I mean, games do this already. I mean, I think even PUBG went and published a load of stuff about HRTFs and stuff. Or have you... I'll send you some examples. Like, there are literally examples on the internet where they uh, they do this already. Like, there's a YouTube video about, like, a virtual barbershop appointment, which actually is not terrible, at, you know, demonstrating the effect. So I don't care for 3D audio, so I stopped listening to Mr. Cerny at this point. You don't care for audio at all? No. It's strange that you do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, final thing then. The Xbox has a quick resume function. This is really cool. This is like a no-brainer thing after you hear about it. PS4 has a quick resume function. So by which you mean you can put the console to sleep? Yes. And then turn it back on again? Yes. Yeah, but that's just sleep mode. Xbox quick resume is this just times three, times five? Well, it's like the difference between sleep and hibernate on a laptop, right? So if you put your laptop to sleep, which is basically what you're doing on your PS4, and you could do on your PC, like, you know, I I remember when you're complaining about Prey and you're saying on the PS4 it's better because you can put your PS4 to sleep and then you could just pick up exactly where you left off. Yes. And... You can do that on PC too. I actually accidentally put my PC to sleep in the middle of playing Prey one time. You know, and then I just woke up from sleep and the game just literally resumed. You can put your PC to sleep too and do the same thing. But putting it to sleep just basically shuts everything down but keeps power to memory. And so we just power all the components back up, but everything about the game was still in memory and it just carries on. This new quick resume thing is basically like the hibernate function. So you take the contents of memory and you write them to disk. And later on, when you want to pick it back up, you read that disk image of memory back into memory and then start up. So that's why you can do multiple games. You're saving them to disk. There's no reason why Sony can't do this. There is no reason Sony can't do this, no. In fact, it would be even easier for them to do it because they've got way higher storage bandwidth. But the question is whether they've done it. If they haven't, I'm sure they saw the presentation and were like, oh, we should do that too. Because it will just be an OS level feature. And it would be cool if PCs did this as well. But I guess PC, operating system, memory, everything is complicated. Whereas on a console, you know exactly where everything's running. So you can do it. That's it. That's my long and rambling hype train thing about the new console generation. Are you excited? Yes and no. We don't know what's going to come out for these things. There have been times before where we've bought a console with no games on them. Or or you're just playing multi-platform games. I'm not sure why I talked about this for so long. I'm not sure I really care. I'm a PC gamer at heart. I bought a PS4 on release date. What did I get? Battlefield. It's not worth buying a new console for for Battlefield. I only have a PS4 because you convinced me to get it for Destiny. And that was value for money for you. (laughs) I guess it was. We did play a lot of Destiny. I don't know why in hindsight. So let's finish with holiday 2020 for both. Unless they're delayed by the COVID-19 situation. As of right now, they're not. So let's see. Yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, this is just the start of the hype cycle. This is the train pulling out from the platform. You know, we've, we've seen some gameplay footage for Xbox Series X, but it's just been enhanced versions of current-gen titles. We've seen basically nothing 
for the PS5, apart from... Well, I guess you could argue, again, it's an enhanced version of a current-gen title. They've showed Spider-Man zipping through the city at ultra speed to show that they can thread load that fast. So, when will we see some actual next-gen titles? Dunno. It'll be interesting. And will they look actually better than things do on PC? Though PCs obviously do have an advantage, given that the graphics card on a PC tends to cost more than the entire console would. So it's not really a fair comparison. Tends to. Can do. Can do. You're right. Can do. (laughs) Sorry. It's not normal. All right. Fine. Judge me. So this year is Super Mario's third... Mario? Mario? You say tomato, I say tomato. But who is right? I say Mario. I say Mario. So this year is Super Mario's 35th anniversary. Did you know this? Of course you knew this. I knew it because you put this section header in the notes. (laughs) (laughs) So recently we had two articles... Two rumours come out. The first one just stating that there were remasters coming as part of the 35th anniversary, but there was a second story to to commit, really, which games were part of this remastered collection, which was planned to be revealed in June as part of the Nintendo E3 showcase, I guess. So, So the three remasters. It's 1997's Super Mario 64, 2002's Super Mario Sunshine, and 2007's Super Mario Galaxy. Also, Nintendo is preparing to announce a new installment of the Paper Mario series. The re-releases will be treated as a special anniversary collection rather than standard digital ports. And this Super Mario 35th anniversary collection reveal was originally due to take place as a physical event at E3 in June. So, as of the moment we record this, yeah, which is the 4th of April, 2020, there is no confirmation of this. No, there is not. This sounds like total wishful thinking to me. Oh, really? Why is... I I think... Why is this wishful thinking? Why charge once for it when they could charge you three times like why would they give you mario 64 sunshine and galaxy in one go i mean it would be great if they did but i'm just really surprised that they would do that okay they can so you're not saying that the remasters aren't happening they could still be coming as three separately packaged games yeah 
Even the remasters coming might be wishful thinking, but if they did do the remasters, I would be very pleasantly surprised if they really were one 35th anniversary collection versus three separate games that they charge you $60 for. And they can still call it the collection. You just have to buy it three times. You know, <laughs> you have to buy three games to, <laughs> to complete the collection. Yeah, basically. I mean, well, because New Super Mario Brothers Wii U, they charged $60 for that, didn't they? I don't know. And it's basically the same game that they released on the Wii U. They just charged you full price for it again. It, it would be shocking for them not to charge full price. Or, or maybe not full price, like $60 full price, but to charge you just once for the three games. I don't know, maybe they will because Mario 64 certainly is very old. I don't need to focus on the pricing. Fo- the pricing is not important. Are the remasters coming? <laughs> 64? What, what are they going to do about 64? Like, you know, there's like... It's not an uncanny valley, but there's definitely like a threshold of acceptability for like old games versus new games. Like, you know, the SNES era sprite based games still look perfectly acceptable today, I think. And the NES ones are still okay, really. But if you look at like Atari 2600 games, for example, they do not look okay today. They're just like, what is this? Like four pixels. And. Super Mario 64 is the wrong side of that divide for the 3D version of that effect. Like, Super Mario 64 is 20 polygon Mario, you know. Sunshine onwards, I think you could release that today and it would be fine. But 64 looks bad. Wasn't there a Mario 64 model that you could use in Odyssey? (laughs) Yeah, that's true, there was. But it was just so... Hit. That's what made it funny, right? It's like, whoa, what happened to Mario? <laughs> He's been derezzed. He's got 20 polygons. So you could just lift all the Odyssey assets and just plonk them into 64. No, no you couldn't. I, would this work? Let's say you take... The, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to think how this would really pan out. Like, if you, if you look at, like, the whole remakes versus remasters situation. And given that we're we're playing a remake right now for the book club, Resident Evil 2, and we're about to play another remake for the book club, Final Fantasy 7. And if you were to remaster Mario 64 by just upping the resolution, it would still look bad. If you were to remaster it by just taking all the level geometry and just putting in high poly models for mario and the enemies and stuff i think that would still look bad because the world is just so empty you know people's expectations for a 3d space have changed and mario 64 is just lots of empty flat space in a lot of cases i don't think you could just up the textures up the poly count on the characters it would still look bad and wrong you would have to do a rebuild for it to look not weird and then you're talking about remake territory and then you probably could charge $60 for it so what should we expect or there is no hope for Super Mario 64 I I don't know I actually don't know what they could do I I think they could release an upscaled version of Mario 64 with the 20 polygon Mario and I say 20 polygon obviously I know it's not really 20 it's much more than 20 but you know it's not like 20,000 or something whatever it is these days so you could release that 
true to the N64 look version and just don't charge $60 for it. Maybe that could be part of an anniversary collection. But Galaxy, I think if you up that, would look fine. And Sunshine, probably too. So talking of Super Mario Galaxy, it already has been up right? There is an NVIDIA Shield version of it. And we've already seen it running on Dolphin. I don't know if you have. I have. Yeah. It totally works. Okay, so I cannot believe Super Mario Galaxy is coming. I've talked to you about it before. I check for it monthly. I check for rumors monthly. I've spoken to you about getting it on Dolphin, playing it on Dolphin. Yeah, you really want this. Because it just is so ugly. You cannot play it on the Wii right now. You cannot. What's wrong with you, man? It's charming in 480. <laughs> because you know someone else is playing it on Dolphin in HD. It it would be good if they did this remaster. It's a great game. And it's also on your list, right? It's one of your 95s on Metacritics that you want to play. And I definitely don't want to play it on the Wii as well. <laughs> Will they keep the motion controls? Can you imagine a world where they're going to... No, they won't keep the motion controls unless they're insane. What? <laughs> you seem so certain. Because <laughs> I think we've all accepted by now that motion controls are a terrible idea. That's, they're just a gimmick. So that was one of my reasons for playing it on Dolphin, is I can play it fully with a control pad. So the spin move, they just map it to a button? Yeah, obviously, yeah. Yeah, that would be way better. Like, all of the Wii games that required some random waggling at some point would be made way better by just mapping that to a button in nearly all cases. So fingers crossed. <laughs> but I've seen, thing, um, I've seen the recommendation is that you need like three controller profiles to do different things. One for platforming, one for when you're rolling on a ball, and another one for, I don't know, sliding down something on your butt. I don't know. Oh, what a faff. Well, yeah. hopefully they can iron that out in this port, if it's really coming. <laughs> or, or just buy a shield and get someone to do the Chinese <laughs> app store thing for you and be done with it. Because the other danger, I don't know how good the emulation is as well. I don't want to end up realizing that Ugh, I can't finish the game. I'm sure it's finishable by now. Uh, with the, okay, I'm sure the you face. can look that up. Finishable is 70. Oh, you want to 100% it? I, don't, I can't 100% it because it's 240 stars or something ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't think even I've done that, actually. I'd have to turn on my Wii and have a look at what I actually did. Who but... does that, though? I, this, is, this was news to me. People with too much time on their hands, yeah. That's a discussion for another time. When Because it's the same for Super Mario Galaxy 2. And I heard that Super Mario 3D Land has the same problem as well. This is hidden stuff. It's funny because I do, in theory, really love hidden stuff. But at some point, I'm just like, this is too much. I'm bored now. I need to move on with my life. So, Mike, what do you make of these choices? The candidates? I think I've previously said that Mario 64 was my favourite 3D Mario. Like, I think it's the best one. And then I realised that's just the nostalgia talking. Because when I actually look at it, it's like, this is terrible. Like, what is this? Like, you know, games have moved on. 
this is no longer the pinnacle. It just was when I played it as a kid, and I still have that like written in my brain at some low level. But it's really not that great these days, comparatively. But I do like the more exploratory Mario games. Like, I do like the fact that you have this interconnected world in 64 and also in Sunshine to a slightly lesser extent. And they tried to do it in Odyssey, but Odyssey is kind of like an awkward hybrid between the galaxy model where you just go to these different galaxies in inverted commas you know you go to a different land in the little hat spaceship in odyssey you know you're not finding a new painting or a new ink blot or something like you did in 64 and sunshine so i do prefer that kind of interconnected world and yeah i think i think 64 and sunshine are both really good you know galaxy is really good in a different way Galaxy, the actual, the actual gameplay of Galaxy is quite innovative. At least it definitely was for the time. And the music in Galaxy is amazing. But I know you don't care about the music, right? What's wrong with you? Well, Galaxy music I can appreciate. Yeah, I, I remember thinking like, oh, Galaxy wasn't that good. 64 was better. And then I heard the music. Like I heard like a snippet of the music and I was like, no, wait. Galaxy was really good. Galaxy was really, really good. I'm hoping we get pleasantly surprised and it turns out this is true rather than just some wildcat rumour. We shall see. How can... It's so it's so interesting because I'm certain this is happening. I'm certain it's happening this year as well. As in they'll be released this year. End of this year. I really think this just sounds too good to be true and you've latched onto it because it's exactly what you want. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the 30... 30- it's the 35th anniversary. It's the 30. 30- yeah, because the 35th actually- anniversary is a really important anniversary. <laughs> actually, now you say it like that, actually, even when I say it to myself, I realise how ridiculous I sound. There is nothing special about the 35th anniversary. I guess it's more special than the 36th anniversary. So you better hope they do it this year. <laughs> so, how? One last question. How do the 3D Mario games compare to the 2D Mario games in your in your eyes? They're just different. I, I don't put them on the same scale. It's just like asking me, like, what's cuter, cats or dogs, kittens or puppies? And I'm just like, they're both so cute. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Super Mario World, best 2D Mario. Super Mario 64 because of nostalgia best 3d mario but i don't really compare the two and i haven't played new super mario brothers wii u which maybe is meant to be really good but i haven't played it so i don't know and haven't even got it haven't even got it thought about it several times didn't pull the trigger too many other things to play including like a hundred hours of call of duty (laughs) let's talk about that
So, Call of Duty Warzone. Free to play, Battle Royale. I was blindsided by this. Was this like an Apex Legends situation? Well, sort of. Like, people were expecting a Battle Royale mode to be added to this year's Call of Duty. Like, that wasn't surprising. But I'm not sure everyone expected it to be free to play for people who don't own Call of Duty. Like, I think that was a surprise. But if you thought about it, it made sense. Because Call of Duty had switched to a Battle Pass model. From that perspective, it does make sense. And the people I was playing Tarkov with wanted to try it out. And I was like, but guys, we're just getting into Tarkov. But fine, I'll try it. So I installed it under duress and played a game. And then I was like, this is really good. Screw Tarkov. <laughs> and we've just played this like continuously who wants since to it hi- came out. Because who wants to hide in a closet? Literally, yeah. Tarkov was all about hiding, 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 and then eventually jumping out and shooting someone. But, you know, you could very easily go a whole raid with never firing your weapon or firing it like twice, you know, being very precise, doing your two headshots or something. By contrast, Call of Duty Warzone, you feel like a superhero constantly, like it's it's doing the ridiculous like Fortnite thing that makes no sense, but it's really fun. So who cares? Like you can pop out your parachute, then you can cut your parachute, you can pop out your parachute again. You know, you can like yeah. jump off a two story building and pop out your parachute. Like where are all these parachutes coming from? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Rule of cool. It, it's just like you, you literally feel like a superhero. You just pull you out your gun and it's like like bullets everywhere. So you can be parachuting down. Pull out your gun, shoot, pop someone in the back while they're being while they're parachuting, and then pop your parachute back up. <laughs> yes, and this happens like every match. It's really fun. I bought the battle pass. Like, what happened? I bought the battle pass. You know, we were talking last time. Have you ever bought a battle pass? No, I haven't bought a battle pass. I bought the battle pass for this. I mean, I didn't actually spend any money on it. I booted the game up, and then we played a few rounds, and I was really enjoying it. And then I just noticed I have a thousand Call of Duty points. I have no idea where they came from, but I have a thousand. So I just bought the battle pass. And then we've since just played like dozens of hours and I've made back my thousand Call of Duty points from the battle pass. So I don't know if that's good or just embarrassing. I have a feeling that you're probably higher level than I am. And I started playing Call of Duty at the back end of last year. You've you've played less than a month. What level are you? Uh, 60-something. I'm level 122. (laughs) And I could tell tell you're addicted because you were saying, it's double XP weekend thing, so I'm going to play tomorrow. Yeah. I'm shocked how fun this game is because I bought black ops 4 and black ops 4 had blackout their battle royale mode i did not enjoy blackout like i did not find it fun like it was it was kind of entertaining for a bit but it actually just became really like not fun it just didn't feel right or the gunplay or the actual gameplay just it just didn't gel in a good way i don't know what it was but i don't know this on the other hand is really fun like it just feels really fun and you literally feel like a superhero the whole time 
Let, let's stop just recycling the words fun, superhero, fun, superhero. I'm let's sorry. talk about things. I'm finding it really hard to... <laughs> yeah, you're right. What makes it good? What makes yes, it good? Yes, please. So... And don't... No, wait. And don't list everything. Don't list all the facts. Come on, okay. Mike. Key, key points. Key points. Please. You never feel like you're out of the game. So, you know... This game has looked at all the battle royales on the market and learned from what they're doing right and also learned what they were doing wrong and has put together this, yeah, very smart blend of those things. So a game like PUBG, the OG, you're playing in a team, you get shot, you get downed, you have a very limited time window in which you can be rezzed. And if you're not rezzed, well, you're out. That's it. Game over. And then Apex innovated on that to say your banner can be retrieved and then people can call you back in from these respawn beacons. So you have more of an incentive to keep watching and rooting for your team, particularly in the case when you're in like a pickup group, right? Because like, you know, we're playing a pre-made group, we're friends. So I'm obviously going to stay in the whole match and just watch and, and call out stuff that I see anyway. But it's more fun thinking I could get back into the game proper. Right. And so in Warzone, the first time you die, you know, you get down, you can be rezzed. But even if you don't get rezzed and you're, you're finished off, you get sent to the Gulag and you have a one on one fight for the chance to redeploy for free. So all of the people who have been killed get taken to the Gulag and you fight one on one versus another person. And if you win that fight, then you redeploy and you can rejoin your squad. And if you lose that Gulag fight, then your squad can just pay money and you can respawn as well. So you can find money in the world. You can loot money from people you've defeated and you can use that money to buy kill streaks like UAVs or cluster strikes, self revives, armor plates, or indeed you can res your friends. So you never feel like you're out of the game. There's vehicles. The vehicles don't feel overpowered. They're mostly just for mobility. And the vehicles are shown on the map. So you never have the PUBG problem of, let's go to this faraway place. But then, oh, there was no car here. And now the circle's coming in. And so it's just running simulator and we may not make it anyway. That never happens because the vehicles are on the map. You can tell before you go to a faraway place at the edge of the map that's not in the zone, whether there is a way for you to get to the zone, whether it's worth the risk. And maybe there's just like one helicopter there and you might have to fight another team for it. But at least, you know, there was a way to get there and you took that risk and it was a calculated risk. It's not a complete gamble. Also, the gunplay is just really fun. The weapons feel really fun to shoot. And... Compared to PUBG and Tarkov, certainly, all of the guns are lasers. Like, there's so little recoil <laughs> compared to, you know, those other games that are trying to be more realistic. It, it, it's just so refreshing. After, after Tarkov, where it's just like, how many bullets are left in my magazine? Oh, I don't know. It's almost full or it's about half. You know, instead, it's just like six grand mag, fire five bullets. Okay, reload it. I didn't waste any ammo, you know? Or just like unload and i don't have to like have my gun shaking all over the screen it's really easy to control the recoil i think after the experience of playing tarkov 
I'm way better at shooting in this as a result. Like, it just feels so easy, relatively. I've watched you play. You seem quite accurate, surprisingly so. Surprisingly. Although, I, I was saying to you at the start of this recording, it's like the lights are on, but no one's home. I'm kind of like broken now after playing for like eight hours today. Because, yeah, I think you dropped in when we were streaming and playing earlier. And yeah, at the start, I was playing pretty well and we were topping the table. And by the end of the session, I was definitely at the bottom of the table. <laughs> it was like really, it was some critical neurotransmitter in my brain is just depleted and I can't aim anymore. <laughs> I have two more questions. Have you won? Yes. Is that what you're going to say? Yes. <laughs> we haven't won that often actually we've come second a lot of times we've only won i think we might have only won once to be honest but we've we've come second a lot because you've not you've not expanded on you winning you didn't win then there was no miraculous sir mike story oh there's a really embarrassing sir mike story or you've where... forgotten <laughs> which is also possible no, there's a really embarrassing sir mike story where it was literally just me and another guy left in the circle, one-on-one -on -one fight. I saw him first and just like opened up with my AK, missed every single shot. <laughs> and then he just killed me. And I was like, what the hell happened there? Like literally, I saw him first and I emptied the entire clip and I missed every single bullet. I have no idea. But it's the AK. Yeah, the AK is hard. I, I, after that, I was like, screw this AK. I'm using the M4A1. What's your loadout? I was using the AUG with the 60-round drum mag for 5.56 NATO ammo. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to go into complete gun build. But basically, yeah, I was using the AUG and the Pila rocket launcher. And this is your loadout drop? This is my loadout drop. I recently switched the org out for the M4A1 just to level a new gun because I'd maxed the org. So I'm, I'm doing the M4. Although the M4 is pretty much maxed now as well. You've played a lot. I have played a lot. <laughs> Embarrassingly so. It's surprisingly really fun. I'm, I'm shocked. I haven't had this much fun with a game since the early days of PUBG. I'm genuinely surprised how fun this game is to play. I do really like Battle Royale games, so. Have you played any solo? Yeah, I've played solo. You really like this it's quite game? quite a different game, actually. It's quite a different game in solo. Oh yeah, in fact, there's so much more stuff I didn't even mention, like all the contracts. Whatever, let's not go there. It's fun. Try it, it's free. Try it if you can spare 100 hours. You need to get... And you can suffer the download. Oh, it's like 80 gigs, right? It's really big. Is it because it's literally including the whole of Call of Duty Modern Warfare as well, in case you decide you want to upgrade? It's crazy. Each patch alone is always around 10 gigs. I don't understand what's going on.
Top five, Alex. So, just thought I should mention that I played Half Life Alex because it's a new Half Life game, and it's a proper full on AAA full length VR game, which is not that common. I haven't actually played that much of it because I've been playing so much Call of Duty, <laughs> and also because VR is. Well, the Oculus has got way better, actually. I think they've significantly improved the software and the drivers and everything since I last set it up. Because last time I had to go through this whole palaver of calibrating it. And this time, just randomly put the cameras on the desk and it didn't ask to calibrate them. It was like, don't worry, we got it. And it just figured it out. It's like, whoa, this is way better than before. So much less faster set up now. But you know, VR is still tiring because your eyes are focusing on those weird screens and you're standing up and, you know, so VR is still more effort than just playing a regular sit-down game. I've played a few hours of it and it is really good. Like, this is kind of like a watershed moment for VR, I feel. But then... Maybe it's just because I haven't got that much experience with other VR games. Like, I think a lot of people have been comparing and contrasting it to Boneworks, which I haven't played. And saying in some ways that Boneworks is actually better. Because Boneworks is much more systemic. Whereas Half-Life Alex is really, really polished. But it's also more, you know, like, there's one way to do this. And we want you to experience this one way and we're going to make it really cinematic rather than here's a load of stuff and you can jury rig your own jank solution and we'll just roll with it. You know, Half-Life Alex isn't like that. So what kind of transport method are you using? Is that the right term? Oh, for the movement in the game? Yes, yes. Movement method. Yeah, I'm, I'm using teleportation with blackout in between each jump. And also the quick turns on the stick, again, with like a blackout between each jump. So I haven't really experienced any VR sickness using that method, which is good. Because it turns out I get horrific VR sickness while actually using, you know, like traditional FPS locomotion in these games. So yeah, it's been good with that teleporting movement. It is a bit funny because, you know, naturally, when I first started, I was just like turning around to use stuff in the real world, you know, like something's to my left. So I always turn around and like deal with it on the left and then something's on my right. So I just keep turning around and then I started wrapping myself in the cable or (laughs) which way am I facing now? I'm so confused. Like which way is forward, which way is back? Like, am I going to, am I going to walk into a wall in real life? You know, so as I've got more used to playing an extended session in this big, VR space, I've started trying to keep my physical real world orientation facing my monitors, like facing forward, as it were. And when I need to turn in the VR space, I use the stick to turn. So I'll only turn IRL for small for small movements. But if I literally need to turn like 90 degrees, I'll use the stick. Or if I've just drifted to the left, I'll actually use the stick to turn myself and so I can my forward orientation is back towards my monitors because over time it becomes a problem. And 
yeah, other, I guess, like logistical, real world, simulation world VR problems. I have definitely been surprised by things and then flailed my arms. <laughs> like I've actually been, I've said a surprising amount of stuff out loud while playing it. Like what the? I was like, fuck you! Know, like I've actually exclaimed, <laughs> real life. or like, or like, oh, uh, like back up, back up, back up. You know, like I've actually <laughs> said stuff because it's genuinely quite distressing sometimes when things are coming at you in the VR space. So, yeah, I am kind of worried that at one point I am just going to punch my monitor or something. We need to be streaming or recording at that point. Uh, yeah, so. It's very immersive to the extent that when a head crab jumps at you or when a zombie lunges at you, it's hard to not viscerally react and flail your arms. What are the controllers that you're using? So I'm using the Oculus Rift touch controllers. Have you thrown them out of your hand? Is that possible? Oh, I'm wearing the wrist straps because, you know, with the Wii... It was like a oh, wrist strap, wrist strap, whatever. Like, I'm not really going to throw this thing. But again, because stuff happens and your body just does stuff before your conscious mind is able to override it, I am worried that I am just going to flail or throw the controller. So I'm wearing the wrist straps. Like, I'm genuinely worried because, you know, I know it's a problem because I have flailed and I have said stuff just spontaneously because i've been so surprised or so unable to like control the visceral reaction of my body so some comments about the actual game i guess then rather than what it's like to play it so as i said i haven't got that far but the setting is very immersive like they've done a really good job it's city 17 but Yeah, in 2020, you know, everything's really detailed. Everything moves, like, you know, the walkers move really disturbingly. They're big and organic, and you really get a sense of scale now. You know, before you were just like, oh, it's a big walking thing, fine. Now, when you see it coming towards you, or it, like, slams its foot down next to you, like, you really feel like, holy crap there's like this massive heavy monster and it just slammed its foot down and it could have crushed me you know you really feel it plus all like the set dressing in the world there's so much just like clutter and you can pick it up and play with it i've seen videos of people like setting up vhs tapes like dominoes and like making a rube goldberg machine i saw a really funny one of someone juggling like there's a bit where you open the lift and there's a lot of combine soldiers and they point their guns at you and they're like hands up and then i've heard that apparently there's loads of interactions written for if you try and do various things in the lift so i was just like oh shit and i just put my hands up apparently if you try and push the button they'll like shove their like gun in the door to stop the door closing and eventually they'll like smash the button to stop you trying to push it but there was a really funny video of someone like putting their hands up and then starting to juggle above their head, like literally juggling three <laughs> objects they queried with them. So, yeah, the world dressing is really good as well. The other, the other things, I guess, are fun things you kind of just like try out and then they work or you just do them instinctively and it works. So I found a hard hat 
And I was like, can I put this on? And I just like held the hat over my head and let go. And it was like, pop. And it was like, and I, look, I could like, well, I couldn't move my head up. Obviously, I could like move my eyes up. And I can see I've got like the brim of the hard hat on my head now. And then I accidentally walked under a barnacle. And instead of it like grabbing me with its tongue and eating me, it just grabbed the hat off my head. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I put that hat on now. Or aiming a gun. Like to begin with, I was just like pointing it in the general direction. But then I realized like if you want to make some precise shots, you've got to aim. And you actually have to hold the gun up to like your eye and close one eye so you can use the sights on the gun. So it's something you actually just start doing instinctively and you realize, oh yeah, you know, it really works. This is how you have to aim. Actually, the other thing I should mention when it comes to the gun, and and then maybe this is a criticism of the game as well in a certain way, because it's slightly gimmicky in a sense. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if future VR games would do this or if this would be streamlined or if this is like a, Tarkov versus Call of Duty, like how realistic do you want to be situation? But the reloading is more like Tarkov than Call of Duty. You know, you push a button to eject the magazine on your pistol. And if that magazine is not fully depleted, that ammo's gone. You know, well, it's not really gone. The magazine just falls on the floor and you can pick it up and put it back in the pistol if you want. But, you know, if you've got one bullet left and you decide you want to reload because you're not sure what's around the corner fine just trash that bullet you push the button to eject the mag you reach over your shoulder to pick up another mag from your backpack you put it into the gun and you pull the slide back on the gun to finish the reload and i can tell you when a bunch of zombies are coming towards you and your gun is empty it's actually quite hard to execute that reload you genuinely feel this like, oh, my hands are shaking and I've got to eject the mag and like, oh no, what do I do? Why isn't it firing? I've got to pull the slide back. You genuinely feel this tension. Actually, one more thing. One more thing that is kind of not at all realistic, but is really (laughs) good. So Half-Life, well, Half-Life 1, I guess, had the crowbar. Half-Life 2 had the gravity gun. And then Half-Life... I was about to say Half-Life 3. Half-Life Alex has these gravity gloves. So I guess it's like the real signature item of the game. And if you want to pick stuff up, you don't have to walk up to it and pick it up with your hand or crouch down and try and pick it up on the floor. You can point to stuff and snap your wrist back and the item will fly towards you and then you catch it. And it's really fun. You know, after getting this power for the first time i actually did stand around for like 10 minutes i think just like pulling things towards me and catching them and like this is so cool catch this beer bottle slam it on the ground catch another one you know and it feels really natural to the extent that when i exited the game and i was just in the steam vr space or the oculus vr space like your home space i started trying to do it there as well i was like pointing to a lightsaber and trying to like snatch it towards me and of course it didn't work because it's a half-life alex thing but it's really fun it it feels like a really natural way to deal with the awkwardness of having to walk up to a faraway object in vr which is a pain so 
I guess that's it. I mean, it's only just initial impressions about Half-Life Alex because I haven't finished it. And I don't know when I will because it's really intense. I can only play it in short bursts. And then I get too stressed out and I'm like, that's enough of this for today. Plus, there's Warzone and there's Final Fantasy VII Remake. There's so many. I want to play Animal Crossing too. I actually really want to play... A whole bunch of my friends are playing Animal Crossing and they've invited me to this WhatsApp group where they're just talking about Animal Crossing all the time and like sending pictures of like fruit trees or villagers like doing things. And I'm just like, I'd like to play this game too, but there's just not enough time. Well, well I mean, in a way, there's more time than there has ever been before because I can't go outside. <laughs> but still. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else. Reddit. Slash r slash Lost Levels Club. So Mike, what are you grateful for today? So, I my AirPods got replaced again. I suppose I should be grateful that they were fixed for free. I've actually had one and a half replacement pairs of AirPods, and I didn't pay for it, which is so they multiplied. Well, I have in my possession one pair of AirPods, which is the same as I had before, but. One of my AirPods stopped working. It was making this weird clicking sound. So I went to an Apple store and they replaced it. Just the left one. A week later, the right one starts doing the same thing. So I went to the Apple store and they they just replaced both of them. The left one and the right one. I was like, but you just gave me this left one. And they were like, oh, it's some firmware issue. Have a new pair. And I was like, okay. So... I don't know. Is it good customer service or is it bad customer service? I mean, they did replace them and that's great, but they did also break, which isn't so great. Stuff breaks. Stuff breaks all the time. Smackles says bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.